Hey, this is John from Dirty Honey, and you're listening to Rock at Night. Hi, John. This is Sharice with Rocket Night. We finally are connecting. Yes. Hey, I'm so sorry. I, I, it's good to talk to you. How are you? I'm fine. I'm here in uh, Tampa Bay. I'm trying to figure out where to begin. It seems like a whirlwind for the last two years for you guys. It certainly has been, yeah. Uh, been very I, quick, uh, yeah. in a way, yeah. Uh, you all just finished uh, touring with Slash? Yeah, we did 10 dates with him. Well, we did. I think we did seven this year. We did three last year. Now, the three last year were really our first shows in terms of real shows you know um when we got management that was like the first thing he kind of booked us wow that's pretty awesome (laughs) yeah so yeah so so you mean to tell me you you guys all formed two years ago and bam you're touring with slash (laughs) yeah it's kind of that crazy um the singer and i have known each other the longest about pretty much about six years, like the whole time we've been in LA, or longer, actually, seven. And then um, uh, I met the bass player, Justin. So the singer Mark, I've known for a long time, and played. I played in his like sort of bar band, where uh, he had some of his own originals, but by and large, the gigs were just bar band gigs. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it, it, for a long time, it was just my way of keeping rock and roll in my life in this LA landscape of doing other things musically, you know, I was playing with Mark. And then um, I brought in Justin because the bass player we had was going to leave. And I just, Justin and I met through our circles of sort of musicians in LA and he just is rock and roll in my opinion. So we brought him in and then he, so he, we, we kind of floundered along. We tried a little bit at it. Um, in terms of like making it more of an original project than make you know kind of getting out of the cover band thing it was really hard for us. Um, it's really find, hard to find a drum chair, and when we Justin finally brought in Corey, kind of just as a sub on one of the cover band gigs, and he was like, "Yo, I really want to do this. I'll be in the band," and he was kind of the first person who was awesome and also said that. <laughs> um, so yeah. It's no, there's no shortage of people who want to be in a band, but uh, um, we, admittedly, we wanted somebody really good. I mean, we're, you know, we're in L.A. So um, once he, once he was in, you know, there was a few months of kind of still kind of the same speed, and then, then we made a music video. Uh, we got the attention of our current manager, um, who had been a longtime friend of our. We've known about our manager for many years, mm-hmm. and he's seen us play. He's seen us play in the cover band days, and just never really took a serious interest because we weren't really doing anything serious. And um, 
So the two-year mark is is Dirty Honey was born once Corey joined on drums. We, that's when we named it Dirty Honey. That's when it stopped being, you know, that's when it became serious, and that's when all the songs started being written. We shot videos of them. We got, you know, the attention of our manager, and then, and then once he really jumped on, um, which was really when he heard When I'm Gone, our current single, mm-hmm. and he was like, no questions asked, I can put this on the radio. That's really when it flew, and I think that he booked us, you know, Slash to show us, you know, show us what he could do. You know, I mean, it was really, and, that, you know, not that we didn't believe him. We already knew his kind of track record, but mm-hmm. he was like, hey, I got some gigs for you guys. Do you want to open for Slash? And I remember we were all like, uh, yeah. And he was like, good. Well, I already said yes, so. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and, and it's just been, you know, with him, it felt like having our uncle manage us in a way. Like, it, he feels, you know, we've known him for so long. He feels kind of like family, you know, mm-hmm. so. And and his name? Sorry, his name is Mark Didia. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and you know. he, he was in the corporate world for a long time, wasn't he? Yes, he ran. His, his history is running record labels. He... He was with Rick Rubin at American, or, or I think Columbia, and then he also um, was at Capitol as, I think, president of A&R. Um, I might be impressed on that, but for, like, you know, most of the 2000s. Um, and then I think probably 10 years ago, when everything really started to not be as lucrative for especially A&R people, um, at regular labels, he switched over to managing, I think, about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he manages also manages the County Crows. He manages Three Doors Down. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and then before that, in the '80s, he was at Geffen Records doing radio promotion. So, and that kind of that's awesome for us because you know he was there hanging out with GNR. <laughs> you know, so and he doesn't really boast about that stuff. It's pretty cool. You know, he's not he doesn't he doesn't like hang on that. You know, he just works really hard. It's awesome. Wow. You you hooked up with the right person <laughs> for sure. We really Yeah, and it's and it, and it's and it's like um it's it's on so many levels because he like I said, we've known him as a friend and mm-hmm. as as a trusted advisor in a way of like how to get your you know, for a long time he was just a uncle being like, here's how you get your, your shit together if you're mm-hmm. you're like doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so as a band, you know what I mean? Like, um, so, well, yeah, it, it feels really good. There's a lot of vultures out here, so we feel really lucky, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, he he might have opened the door for you guys, but it's obviously your talent and your sound that's going to keep you there. I mean, I love your EP. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, uh, that means a lot to me, and, and, and we're really focused. And, you know, we really, we really try really hard, which sometimes means arguments or like, you know, uh, you know, not settling, but we Mm -hmm. really try hard for the songs, for the songs to be so catchy and so Mm -hmm. iconic and memorable. We want every second to be very, you know, and sometimes, you know, because I like jam something on guitar and play a whole bunch of notes and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's awesome and, you know, Mark's like, well, yeah, maybe take out a few notes, <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, ah, oh, you know, so, but that process has been worth it, I think. 
So you, you all have to compromise, obviously. I mean, you, you almost have similar taste. It's obviously classic rock. Yes. I think, yeah, I think if, I think if I, if, if you didn't ever say no to me, the songs would be longer, <laughs> longer mm. guitar solos and, and maybe slightly proggy. If they were up to Justin, it'd be like maybe heavier. Mm-hmm. And, I, and maybe if it was entirely up to Mark, it might be poppier. I, that's, you know, but I think you all, exactly, the Zen diagram crosses at, um, you know, that classic feel-good, sexy rock and roll thing. Yeah, uh, I call it blues rock, too. A lot of blues influence yeah, in there. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, this was kind of funny. Just for the heck of it, I looked under ultimateguitar.com. You, you already have tabs posted for when I'm gone. I uh, know. That has been some of the biggest compliments. It is. Stuff. It's just so sort of, I'm like, who am I and what is life like? <laughs> You know, that means uh, there's a lot of interest. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, when people are starting to want to learn your songs and cover them, you know that it's good. <laughs> yeah, and then there's been a lot of Instagram kids, you know, kids who are like 17, doing it, 12. Mm-hmm. One kid was like eight, eight. One kid was eight and really couldn't even play, but he was doing it to the song. Oh it was the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was just. Wow. It was I, so cute. Just, yeah, but it's just awesome. They had the tuning as uh, half a step down. Is that how you do it? E yep. flat, e yeah. Flat. Okay, so they, they wrote the tab right. I I play music, too. That's why I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's and, kind of a homage to some of the early, to the rock, to guns, to early Van Halen, you know, and then and Hendrix. And then it's also kind of just, Helped our singer get the high notes. Did did your parents listen to classic rock? I mean, how did you get into the sound? Yeah, that was was it, totally. It was really just rating um, mom's record collection, which I found out in the recent years was more my aunt's collection, which I don't know how she ended up with them. But a lot of the really good ones were from my aunt, actually, the rock ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, there was a vinyl player kicking around and there was vinyl records. And mm-hmm. I just got into them uh, at the same time that I was picking up the guitar. So, um, you know, and, and, and in today's music, there isn't as much guitar. So, you know, in our time. It's funny you say that because that's what I call real music when they have real, real guitar solos, lead solos, because it yeah. takes skill and it's not sampling. <laughs> right. Now, like, I mean, yeah, exactly. I just like, I like it when humans are playing it. Mm-hmm. I you know, s- I... I saw the video of you and the bass player in the music store in Tennessee. You were trying out all the guitars. Oh yeah, yep. What? How? What was that like? I mean, sitting there with Les Pauls that are vintage. Was that the Chattanooga thing? That was the Chattanooga thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was just amazing. That was a dream come true one actually play a real 58 my goal was to play a 59 but somehow I got so excited 
58, because I actually have a reissued 58, mm -hmm. which is a great guitar. It's a custom shop. Um, and to play the real thing was just a, a little bit sweeter. And to play it through a Dumble was even more mind-blowing. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dumble amps, but... No. They... Well, Dumble... I don't... I think he started making in the 70s, but he really came to prominence when Stevie Ray Vaughan played oh, his okay. amps. And um, Stevie played, like, I think, kind of always a combo of amps, but one of them was a Dumble. Now, the, the cool thing about, or interesting slash weird, however you want to look at it, but the interesting thing about Dumble is he's just a boutique amp maker. He makes the amps himself. He has to like you. He has to meet you and like you before he decides to build an amp for you. Wow. Then, and then when he builds the amp for you, it was like going to be 20 to 30 grand. Wow. And then you had, and then you had to sign like a non-disclosure agreement that, and he like coats the insides so no one can look at the schematics. And then you have to promise not to sell it. Huh. So you had, you had all this crazy stuff, right? And then, um, and then on top of that, he passed away. So his amp, the amp I played through, the last time I saw it for sale in Nashville, it was like 100000 Wow. And it is an amazing sounding amp. The, the hype is real. I don't know about the price tag, you know, because whatever, but at the same time, that 58 is probably worth 300000 So mm -hmm. that, that was me playing through half a million dollars worth of game. <laughs> 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 it's pretty It's like a kid but in a candy. Day, it was, yeah. You're kidding, you're kidding, at the end of the store. day, the tone was amazing. The tone was amazing. At the end of the day, that was all it was unbelievable. Well, that that was another question. Since you're playing classic rock music, do you try to uh, use maybe vintage uh, tube amps or certain types of effects pedals? Or how are you capturing your vintage sound? So um, that's a great question. I don't take vintage stuff on the road. Um, I don't have any, uh, vintage amps that would be correct for what we're doing. I do have some vintage amps, but, um, so I have a reissue JTM 45. That's a Marshall. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason I chose that amp is because to me, the sound, the real sound comes from just having an amp that the overdrive and the, the distortion, so to speak, comes from just, it's, you've, you've turned the amp up so loud that it's it's working beyond it's it's working at its maximum capacity so the reason i chose the jtm 45 is because it is only about 30 or 40 watts i think um so you can crank it and it's it's not a not a problem on stage i see mm -hmm. so i have that it's a re it's a reissue though i did get a chance to play the real one the real one is you know for sure a touch more amazing mm -hmm. um and then I play, um, I just got with Gibson, so they hooked me up with two standards. Those are what I take on the road right now. Nice. Um, and they're, they're really great. They, they've really kind of reinvented themselves, slash, by reinventing. They've just, they've kind of gone back to what made them really good, mm -hmm. um, even at the, at the non-custom shop level. And I'm really happy with the guitars. And so the key to my sound really is, as most of the night is guitar amp. That's the sound. It's not. It's not a distortion pedal. Mm -hmm. It's not an overdrive pedal. It's guitar amp. 
you know. And then the, the pedals are color stuff, you know, delay. Mm -hmm. I have a Univibe. I have a Fuzz. Um, you know, things like that. Things of that wah pedal, things of that nature. But by and large, the tone is the amp. So I think that's the real way to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed one of your songs. Uh, oh, Jesus. When I'm, is it? Let me see the name of the slow song. Uh, Down the road. Yes. Do you, it sounds like you guys have an organ in there. We did. We did bring in an organ. Um, it, it's an interesting story that that song, or it's just a classic moment of you know, everybody. Not everyone was happy with what we had when we were done recording it. And when we were done mixing. I love it. And so, yeah. And so, um, I, you know, we, I called out a friend from New Orleans um, who is a great organist and I've, you know, known him a long time. And I was like, well, Mark really wanted organ. And I said, well, if we're going to get organ. Let's get my friend. And so we did it. And uh, everybody was happy with it. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, but we've been playing it live so long without it that, it's still just the way we do it, but mm -hmm. it's nice to have that little, I guess, extra bump, you know, of texture. I It really fleshed it out. Uh, it's totally Black Crows made me think of that. Of course, I'm sure everybody of course, yeah. tells you all the time. I mean, you sound like Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, Black Crows. Um, I'm a fan of Magpie Salute, Rich Robinson's uh, new, new band. Uh, okay. I noticed, cool. well, I personally, I go for like Humble Pie, the really old stuff, but uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. I saw you guys open for The Who. Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, my God. Um, that, that's bucket list. <laughs> yeah, it was a total bucket list. Um, it was a dream come true, you know, play original music in an arena. That was, mm -hmm. that was the first one. So. Wow. And we got off stage, and um, Bill Kirbishley, their manager, you know, shook hands with Mark, the singer, and, and gave us, like, genuine compliment. And he's like, you guys are really great. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and we got to meet Roger at the end. He was very nice. Um, and uh, it was just awesome. I mean, you, get, you know, for me, the, the really special moment was sneak, sneaking into the sound check and listening to them sound check. Wow. That's something yeah. else. I, I mean, you. it seems like you've been doing nonstop touring, mostly the festival circuit, but I, I noticed, too, you guys went to Byron Bay Blues Fest. Um, no, we didn't, actually. You didn't? Oh, because I said Byron. I no. thought it said Byron Bay. Wasn't it the Blues Fest in Australia? Uh, no, we, that's, that's actually where we made the album. Oh, okay, so you recorded it in Byron Bay. Yeah. I see, because right. I... Yep. Because I, I know they have, well, we cover it, the Blues Fest every year. Um, Iggy, yes. Iggy, yeah. Iggy was uh, the headliner. So, so Australia, you recorded it. What was that like over there? Uh, that was like a, that was like what you want or what I want out of a, out of a retreat. You know, it was like, it was, it, it's a semi-tropical environment. It's, mm -hmm. the per it's exactly the perfect time of year um, well, because we went November so it's their sort of spring mm -hmm. and 
um, you know, it was so it, it was a complete cutoff from our lives to just focus on making the record, and that's just that's just so awesome. And we worked with um, Nick Didia, who is Mark Didia's brother, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't why we chose him. We actually had looked at some other producers first. We looked at Greta's producer first, mm-hmm. or you know the one the one that did their first album. He was. You know, he talked the talk, and we clicked with him as well. But it, you know, it didn't work out in the end. We talked to some other people, and then, you know, once Mark told us about Nick, we, you know, his resume was amazing. Um, we talked to him on the phone, and um, he just had the right sort of, you know, patience and wisdom that I think we needed to 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 see it through, to take it from where we were at to mm-hmm. finishing to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And um, it was awesome. It was just great. Wow, really, yeah. really relaxing, you know. Uh, I'm sure you get this question a lot. Obviously, you have a self-titled EP. When's when's the album on the horizon? <laughs> I'm sure uh, you have a catalog, a back a back catalog of a lot of songs. Yeah, yeah, we have. Um, we have old songs, we have new ideas, um, and, you know, I think if, I don't know when the record would come out, but for sure we'd love to put one out next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we, we have to and we want to, and, and we're currently working towards that now mm-hmm. in terms of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But most of, you know, we still have, to, we still have, even before, that's kind of under the surface though, I mean, we still have, we think, two more singles to work off this record. You know, so um, that's pretty exciting for us. I think that everybody in the camp is pretty excited to work those, you know, next. So we've got some stuff coming down the pipeline for some of those. Every song on your EP is good enough to be a single. It's it's hard to choose. <laughs> I mean, rolling. Thank you. I mean, I think it's, so too. It's yeah. Rolling Sevens, Heartbreaker, all of them. I mean, I like the ballad. Like I said, down the road. Um, I, could, I mean, I said, I when like we it. first put it out, I was like, I think we could go right down the track with it. Mm-hmm. No, I <laughs> seriously. Three, yeah. Mm-hmm. If the first three really popped, I think that down the road would do well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I, I grew up, I was a teenager in the 70s, so... I mean, I could have slow danced to that song, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, sure. it's, it really has that that appeal to it uh we're gonna i i know we need to wrap this up but i was curious now that you're doing touring and stuff like that uh that's probably what you always dreamed of doing is it what you expected it to be um i think it is a mixture of better and worse Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, it's a better. job. It's a job, you know. It's not just glamour. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like uh, the better part is the the show. Mm-hmm. The shows, the show. Even even we did a our first tour with Red Sun Rising and Goodbye June was sort of you know humble. I think for all three bands, you know, we it was smaller. We played very small venues, and mm-hmm. but we won people over every night. So, you know, it was obviously the 30 minute set is always the reward. And then at the merch table, when we're meeting everyone doing photos and selling merch and it's going well, that kind of makes the next 
fifteen hour drive we have, which is the worst. That part's worse than we thought. You know, just sleeping for five hours and driving mm-hmm. for eight more. You mm-hmm. know, that sucks. But but when you get there and you get you you feel yourself spreading your awareness just that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, the reaction of people has just made it all that much. Just that's the part that was better than I could have imagined. Wow. Yeah, the, the people forget about the reality of sitting in a cramped bus and eating fast food and trying to sleep and, you know, all that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And we've done really good at not eating fast food. I, I will say that. Um, we've got, we, we hold out, we'll find like a whole food, you know, like a 20-minute drop, get enough, you know, so, because that would be a killer, you know. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, I... and yeah, you're you're around the same four guys all the time. Gets, you got to find your little personal time. That's that's what I hear from people. So, man, you've got, geez, you'll be you'll be with Alter Bridge and Skillet. Twenty twenty is going to be a good year too. I just have a feeling for you. I mean, everything's but has just bust open the success. Yeah, we're just trying to keep our, our, what is this term, nose to the grindstone and just keep working and keep writing and keep touring. And hopefully when we, when we, when we, when we gasp for air at some point, uh, it'll be, it'll be fruit to eat. <laughs> and will you be going to the UK in the near future? Maybe winter or? I mean, we'd love to go. There's nothing, you know, uh, nothing on the books. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, I think that we would do really well there. Yeah, we you we know, cover. I, I think there Ma- Manchester and London. So, oh, awesome! Yeah, I think. I mean, with everything, I think that it's when the timing is right to to intro ourselves there. Um, I think we'd love to. You know, it'd be great. But I really appreciate uh, you know support from you people like you, and it's 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 uh, you know in these early days. It's everything. So, yeah, uh, that's. I'd like to see the evolution of of the bands, and um, we support all bands, big, small, whatever. Just as long as yeah. the music is good, it doesn't matter, you know. And remember the little folks when you get up there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. All right, John. Thank all you so right, much. And Thank uh, you so much, Reese. I'll I see you in Detroit. It. It's great to meet you. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rocket Night.